TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Badlands, the only podcast out there that is 100% chiselled and is proudly part of the Chairshot Radio Network and also on Smart to Death Radio. I am Mags, and uh, again, we're deep in this coronavirus bullshit, and uh, my partner, Paul, can't be here uh, today because of that, but I've still got an amazing guest to talk to. Anyway, I have got Justin the Juice Willis from a Juice Pro Wrestling Podcast. Justin, how are you? What's going on, brother? How are you doing? Yeah, excited to do this. Uh, for context, people, it's it's like almost one o'clock in the morning here, and yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, just hard to do this with uh, with uh, ju- the juice here. Um, so, juice tells your Matt Rushmore of the greatest wrestlers of all time, uh, and a little bit of kind of reason why each one makes the cut. Okay. Um- so before I get into that real quick, I just have to say thanks again for having me on, man. I fucking really appreciate it. It's gonna it's gonna be a good time. My pleasure. It's absolutely my pleasure. And secondly, um, this is a question that's kind of frequented throughout the uh, wrestling community, I believe. Um, and sometimes I like to get a little too deep in the shit. So I basically just base this uh, list off of um, your your main guys you know from uh major promotions albeit like w- pretty much all wwf uh wwe wcw whatever but uh with that being said um and this is really no particular order i mean if we're talking about rushmore obviously you got to have four guys um to me these are four guys that transcended uh the wrestling business and uh kind of brought it into what it is today um so Number one, I'm going to go with uh, one of my personal favorites, uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, Hulk. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, <laughs> obvious <laughs> reasons. I mean, uh, the guy, as far as making the WW, then WWF a global enterprise, and uh, basically, you know, every country, you go back to Mexico and they had Lucha Libre, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, out where you're at in the UK, you guys have had wrestling forever. Um, but I, I really think that, you know, the team of Hogan and McMahon were the main reason that wrestling in the U S like spiked, like it did and, uh, became this global juggernaut. And I really think with all the great wrestlers that came beforehand, I mean, you had your Andres, um, Bruno San Martino's and so on. Um, Hogan is the guy and the character, the personality that just put it over the top. Um, and he was one of those first guys that kind of crossed into, Hollywood, you know, with uh, Rocky Three, and then, of course, all of his shitty B-movies that followed. Um, <laughs> well, Suburban Commando was a kick-ass movie. Sub- hey, I, like, I do like Suburban Commando, and I like Mr. Nanny, but there's also, like, uh, <laughs> God, what is it? The, the Santa with muscles in the... Uh, and I think he was in the Gremlins one time. Yeah, he, he had a cameo in Gremlins 2. Uh, he also did, like, the Secret Agent Club and, you know... I think he did a horrible sequel to one of the three ninjas too. Um, so yeah, Hulk Hogan definitely is on that list. Uh, 
Stone Cold Steve Austin, another guy who, uh, for the WWF and wrestling, when it was in kind of a rebirth time during the Attitude Era and, uh, excuse me, the Monday Night Wars era, Stone Cold was a guy that kind of took what Hogan did and basically did really the same thing, just in more of a modern time for that time period. Uh, if you want to look at like merchandise sales and uh, the connection with the fans um, that really put it over the top. And without him, I find it really hard to believe that, you know, WWF, WWE uh, is what they are nowadays because of that, because they were in such a bad spot and in a bad way with, you know, all the talent going to WCW back in the day and stone cold. He was just that guy that, you know, all the working class loved. Um, you, he said some outlandish shit. He, he drank hell of beer and, uh, you know, flipping the bird and, you know, bucking the system kind of like a, you know, instead of fucking clocking, punching the uh, time clock, he punched his fucking boss, you know? <laughs> so I think everybody felt that. And, and he's another guy that crossed over. I mean, I, I believe he was in episodes of uh, like Walker, Texas Ranger. And uh, he did some other TV appearances as well as going in the, in the movies. Yeah. Um, I think he was in the condemned, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. The condemned. Um, and, and a bunch, I think, wasn't he Expendables? Was he in one of those Expendables? Like the uh, first yeah, one? and I think he was in um, an Adam Sandler film not long ago. Yeah, um, the, well, it's been a while now, The Longest Yard. No, even a couple more uh, recent ones are the ones where, uh, oh, what are they called? He's got Chris Rock in it, and they're all like going back to the town that they were that they were uh, kids, and he was a bully. Grown-ups or something like that? Something like that. He was in both the episodes, both uh, the, that and the sequel, so yeah, he's definitely a big crossover Star and then look at how look how he's is in the world of podcasts is is like yeah top top three easily oh easily and he's he's just he's a dude that I find it hard for anybody to come out you know and shoot on him like as you know hey this is a guy I wouldn't want to spend any time with mm-hmm. just as a real person not even the character because I mean that's like he is that character you know to an extent and that's obviously in professional wrestling when you reach that level and that's what you want to go for you want to accentuate you know who you are and just crank it up a little bit crank it up fuckers um <laughs> but yeah it's he was the same deal as hogan he was in the same spot as hogan was you know 10 years prior um in the wwf and became this huge star that transcended the business uh to this day and mm-hmm. fuck he's been out of he hasn't wrestled a match in damn near 20 years or however long it's been now and he um, still sparks. He still gets like sparks in um, in viewers. Yeah, so yeah, still gets viewers. You know when he makes these uh, one-off appearances back with the WWE. You know he's you know like you said he's doing the podcast, which I really enjoy. Um, and he still gets TV shows. You know what was that last one he just had? Broken uh, Skull Ranch or something like that. Yeah, bro- yeah, yeah. Um, everything's always broken skull with that dude. Uh, <laughs> dude <laughs> like, the dude's got a beer. The dude's yeah, got yeah. a broken skull RPA. Yeah, yeah. El Segundo <laughs> Brewery. Uh, I've been looking to obtain some of that shit. I need to try it. Um, but yeah, so Stone Cold's there. Uh, another guy I'm going to put that is The Rock. And mm-hmm. here's a situation where, you know, lightning strikes twice and I don't think there's ever been a time in wrestling other than that time in the Attitude Era where you had two of not just the biggest faces in a company, but in throughout the whole sport, you know? It, yeah. Like, these were 
And you could go back to times like, say, Hogan versus Warrior. Um, but And Warrior was huge, but he, I still don't think he was ever on that Hogan level. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that match was huge because it was the first time, uh, you know, champ versus champ and, like, face versus face. But uh, The Rock, man, I mean, we all know what he's – he's the highest-grossing actor in Hollywood. Um, he is a global icon. And, it, like I said, this list is basically based off of guys who have transcended the sport. And when you think of them, you think of wrestling, you know. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's not so much the case now for a lot of the younger people coming up that may not know about the rock wrestling, which I still kind of find that hard to believe, but you know, I'm not going to say here and lie to you. Like I don't realize, you know, there's probably some 10 year old kids out there that don't know that Dwayne Johnson was a fucking professional wrestler, you know? Um, but still for his impact on the business um, and for consistently like coming back throughout the years and, and giving back and coming back and working a program with Cena and some other guys, and just for how big he is and always, you know, his celebrity will always be huge because he's just, he's a good dude. He's humble. Um, you know, we got all these wonderful catchphrases from him and all these great moments in wrestling. He was a, he was a guy that kind of reminded me like a Bobby Heenan as far as just how quick witted he was. Um, and it just charisma, man, oozing fucking charisma. Absolutely. And I, I don't think you can have a Mount Rushmore without him. Um, Last but not least, and this was kind of a tough one for me um, because most of these guys, you know, obviously Hogan was mainly all, you know, charisma. Uh, it wasn't so much about the in-ring work. Uh, Stone Cold was a solid in-ring worker, had, the, you know, the best of everything. And The Rock was, you know, he could go in the ring too. But let's face it, you know, he, he had like a Hogan move set as well, you know, like the people's elbow. Um, I think he did a little bit more than Hogan in the ring. And he could still pull off a hell of a match. But I have to put Ric Flair up there because another guy that um, transcended the sport, I think he got a little more uh, global, I would say, once he became came into the Fed, you know, and like WWF, WWE, because he was always the big fish in a small pond, you know, back in the day. I mean, he was the big guy with the NWA and WCW. And but he was traveling the world defending that NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, you know. So he was he was a uh, world renowned, but it wasn't as huge because he didn't work for companies that had the uh, the marketing sense, you know, and um, like the WWF and Vince did. But he is a guy that if it wasn't for Ric Flair, it, it'd be hard to have your Stone Colds or your Shawn Michaels, which is another guy I'm sure many people would put on this list. Are you know probably hell even like undertakers and stuff. Uh, Flair's in ring work, his charisma, persona, all that total package um, definitely goes down as one of the one of the best ever. Um, there wouldn't be a lot of our top guys in the business uh, today, and you know guys that have recently retired, like I said, like a Shawn Michaels, you know Triple H. Um, if it wasn't for Ric Flair, if they didn't grow up watching a guy like Flair, and he. I mean, he's also a guy who's done a lot of TV and stuff. And you look at, uh, uh, there's a lot of rappers out there <laughs> that are putting out a lot of songs about Ric Flair. And um, he was pretty much a precursor to all that fucking hip-hop lifestyle, you know, as far as with the, the flash and the bling and the, all that shit, the private jets. Like, I think a lot of those guys took from Ric Flair, you know? like, And especially nowadays with just how much of a legend he is and, at all the content of him that's out there, 
I mean, it, his work speaks for himself, you know. And uh, that being said, that would be my Mount Rushmore. Yep, absolutely uh, solid. It's uh, literally four of the. We've got a like a breakaway group of six guys who were who are kind of pushing for the 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 Mount Rushmore in the collated list that we've got. And these are four of those six. The only other two are Jericho and the Undertaker. And yeah. um, the way you've you've picked your list is kind of um we've we've seen kind of two theories on how people pick lists it's usually kind of an emotional pick where you'll get like out the box uh picks because the that person really likes that one wrestler or you'll get right. you'll get picks like like yours where these guys have, have essentially carried companies or carried the world of wrestling on the shoulders and I, th- I i can't think i can't say you can deny that any of those four didn't have the the world of wrestling purely on their shoulders so yeah uh great great picks uh and it's it's just more picks for the, the the breakaway group to break even further away. Yeah, yeah. It you know, like I said, it to me as a wrestling fan and somewhat of a purist, whatever you want to call it. Um, it to me that's I mean everybody's entitled to their opinions. It's all welcome. It's all fucking, you know, in the eye of the beholder. But uh, that that's the list that makes sense to me as far as like you said, guys that carry the company or the business as a whole. That's if you're going to put a Mount Rushmore, I mean, look at, you know, guys who are on the actual Mount Rushmore, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of what I wanted to go for. That's all I could really see it being, you know, like, you know, before we started or as we just started, I, I was like, man, it's kind of a tough, it almost seems like a rigged question because I could, you know, we can go, I can give you like 18 million different lists, Mount Rushmore lists, you know, if I was going to put like guys like Rick Rude or, Mr. Perfect or Bruiser Brody on there, you know, but this is what I think is the main core list of guys. I, and I find it hard for a lot of people to really maybe disagree. And you're welcome, everybody out there listening to disagree. But I think these are like the main players that, you know, and it's hard not to put Randy Savage on there. I get that. Uh, but like I said, man, I got to reiterate that these were the guys that made shit fucking happen. And, um, will forever go down is like when you think of wrestling all four of those names at least in my world one of those four names is going to pop up instantly yeah absolutely and and i think that's the beauty of uh of not only creating a Mount Rushmore but this show the the fact that it's so subjective that there isn't really a wrong answer Uh, right it all depends on how that those wrestlers like connected to you so oh, yeah. you, your answers could be totally different to someone else, but you both have ex- easily valid reasons for, for, for making the picks that you've done. Yep. It's your boy, Rens, a.k.a. Ray Cash of The Outsider's Edge. I'm here with my boy, Kyle. And I got a question for you, man. I shoot. What would you say are your four worst, your Mount Rushmore of worst edge guests? Ooh, that's a tough one. The Mount Rushmore of worst edge guests. It's pretty easy. It should just be two people. I mean, nah, 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 nah. The the three worst guests in the history of the Outsiders Edge are obviously Caleb, Carl, <laughs> Caleb, Carl, and Mags, right? Well, I mean, Darren's trash. You know, Darren and... We can't even shout out Paul Tolley because he's never been on the damn show. I mean, it's good for us. Speaking of Mount Rushmore, I guess we can shout out the fact that 
Badlands Podcast, part of the Chair Shot Radio Network. Check it out. We love the show. Uh, always listen, man. Chair Shot family, we're here for you. 100%. If y'all haven't checked it out, you got to do it. And I mean, if Darren were here, we know one thing he would say to my Mount Rushmore, and that is he has a He big, would veto that shit. Fat veto for that shit. But he's not here. So I said what I said. You want to come on the show and defend yourself. You know where to find your boys. If you don't like that, we don't give up. Fuck. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out the chair shot. So let's get into this main topic. Uh, you were you were assigned the topic of the Mount Rushmore of inanimate characters in uh, in wrestling. So we all know inanimate objects usually are, are weapons like a ring bell or a chair or a Singapore cane. But uh, I thought it'd be fun to to look at uh, inanimate objects that have been kind of given a little bit of screen time and given a, a little bit of a laugh of their own. Um, so who's uh, who's your first pick on the Mount Rushmore of, of inanimate characters? Um, head. Al Snow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what does everybody want? Uh, that gimmick got that whole thing. You know, I mean, you go back and watch the old ECW footage, and that's what I personally believe got him back in the dance with the uh, WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, was that a fucking doll's head? You know, <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was great. The sexual innuendo that played off of that um, was hilarious. And to this day, I mean, anywhere else, I've seen him on some indie shows and had the, the chance to have a couple of really good conversations with the guy. Um, super nice guy, by the way, man. Um, I mean, that's there's no other way that I see him. I mean, he was a great worker, too, but that head is what got him over, you know. And to this day, it's still whenever he's wrestling, what does everybody want? Head. <laughs> and you see the crowd with all the styrofoam heads and all that shit. So, I mean, that when you gave me this uh, task, that was like the first one that came to my mind. Yep. And it is on my list as well. Um, it, it, it couldn't be a, a Mount Rushmore of, of inanimate characters without, without head. It was right. just, it's just like I said, the first thing that comes to your mind. And it, the fact that everybody just connected to it straight away. Um, and uh, apparently, I mean, the research that I was doing, he, uh, the, he got the idea from it, uh, from just like a little bit of a, a backstage promo that he did with, uh, with Cactus Jack, where he was asking how to get anywhere in wrestling. Um, and because he'd, he'd kind of been like this jobber in the WWF, I think he was like Leaf Cassidy in the new Rockers, and yeah. he was uh, Avatar, the kind of uh, <laughs> yeah. rip-off rip Power Ranger. Um, and then when ECW and, and WWF started doing like this kind of a crossover promotion, he was one of the wrestlers that, that got sent over to to ECW. Um, and then he, I think he had the the Job Squad gimmick, which was getting over, but it wasn't kind of like it wasn't moving quick enough for Al. And he, yeah, he had this conversation with Cactus Jack, and and uh, Jack said to him, "All all, all uh, you should do is get a little head, meaning that he should go and kind of offer sexual favors to the bookers." Uh, <laughs> but Snow took this literally and came out with this mannequin with "Help me" wrote on the head, and and the rest literally writes itself. Uh, I remember watching a, a documentary where. The, the crowd uh, at an ECW show just was filled with these uh, styrofoam yeah. uh, heads and, and uh, ECW made an absolute mint on them because they were buying them for like 
25 cents and then selling them for like ten dollars and they'd all get thrown back in the ring so someone would go back and collect them all and they'd they'd just sell them again the next week it was just like making money hand over fist and and you're right it's what got him back to uh the dance at, at WWE, that kind of character and it he did well with it. I mean, he was never going to be kind of a top-level draw, but it still got him like stuff like the uh, the European Championship, and he got uh, uh, put in a couple of tag teams with uh, the the best one, Cheese Heads, with Steve Blackman. I don't know if you remember that tag team. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was absolutely hilarious. But yeah, I've got head on as as one of my picks, so I might as well bring that up uh, now. So our both our first picks is uh, Al Snow and Head. <laughs> Fuck yeah, brother! Great minds think alike. Exactly. So let's go back to you for your second pick. Uh, my second pick is, um, I guess, inanimate to an extent. Uh, I picked Vanguard One. Uh, yes. Matt Hardy. I remember you mentioning it in the uh, in the pre-chat. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a character that I. All right. Let's look at it this way. It's it's a fucking drone, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's no easy way to say it. <laughs> yeah, it's a drone with personality. I and I love like going back to when he busted out the whole broken Hardy Matt Hardy gimmick with Impact and uh, was doing the final deletion, all the other little vignettes and stuff. Um, uh, when they were going down to Mexico or whatever, and uh, Vanguard One had like all the bitches with him, and you know the the party atmosphere, and he's getting wasted and all that shit, man. Like that was. Uh, that was just entertainment gold right there, dude. And, you know, being like a, a fleet, the commander of his fleet of war drones or whatever he considers them. I, it's just everything about Vanguard one yells and screams to me, entertainment and entertaining. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, there's a million things you can do with them and it's cool to see that he's made it into every little thing he's done, whether it's uh impact or WWE or in now AEW, and uh, it's great to see Vanguard interacting with Chris Jericho and running yeah. off on my shirt. It's like, it's not my fucking shirt! <laughs> Vanguard, I knew you'd come. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it's, it's a special kind of um, um, inanimate character if Chris Jericho can cut a promo on you saying, I've never liked you, uh, you'll never make it in this business. Yeah, great pick, absolutely great pick. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't make my list, but that's because I, I kind of knew that you were going to bring him up. Right on. Um, so next I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with... One from Santino Morella. Uh, I'm sure you you know straight away which character I'm on about. Um, but going into a bit of uh, Santino's backstory, uh, he actually won the Intercontinental title in his debut match, uh, and it was always kind of like a fan favorite from them. One, he uh, he went on this quest to beat the the Manimal Baptiste, as he called him, and then he wanted to to beat the longest reigning Intercontinental uh, champion of all time, which was. Uh, the Honky Tonk Man, and they, I think he called him the Honky Tonky Man at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, then he obviously had this relationship with uh, Beth Phoenix, uh, Glamorella, uh, and and then <laughs> one of the best promo battles I've ever seen is when uh, when Chris Jericho and Santino were were kind of having a battle, and Jericho was calling him. Uh, like Santino, Santana, Santa Maria. Oh, it was just really, really funny. Um, and they even did a rap, which uh, I'm, I'm actually tempted to rhyme off. I don't know if I should or not, uh, when he lost his title to William Regal. Oh, get it, get it, boy, get it. Uh, well, uh, I don't know if you remember the, the, the segment, but this was when uh, 
when uh, Stephanie was having kind of like a, a a staff meeting with all the wrestlers in the ring, and you basically had to take the podium to to ask questions, and everyone was asking like serious questions about uh, how they they're going to fit in with uh, with the with the WWE and, and he he was asking about whether he was going to get his rematch with his title. So he, he went like this. My name is Santino and I'm from Europe. I like my pancakes with maple syrup. I lost my title to William Regal. His knee to the head should have been illegal, but now I'm healthy and it is vital. I want back my IC title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that shit. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I I always felt that he kind of needed a little bit of something, um, and he got that when he uh, when he uh, found a deadly cobra. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it actually started off as a as a bit of a comical like uh, almost finishing move for him, where he'd slap his forearm, twist his arm round into a snake, and kind of like jab his fingers as a as a move. Um, and he actually took inspiration from Mick Foley's uh, Mister Socko. Uh, put on a green and yellow sock, painted on an eyeball, uh, and yeah, and and the cobra was born. Um, the cobras even had a, the opportunity to face off against his inspiration at the Royal Rumble, where they, he went head to head with Mister Socko uh, in a match where Arthur should be a WrestleMania main event. Who <laughs> who needs Goldberg and Brit and uh, Braun Strowman when you can have Mister Socko and the cobra? Um, yeah, right. Anyway, this cobra kind of like had a laugh its own and uh there was a there was a story where Jinder Mahal and the great Collie both tried to to charm the copper with a with a flute um which uh ended up making the the cobra attack Santino Morella uh <laughs> and but the the kicker for me and and what kind of like sealed getting the cobra on this list was uh when Santino Morella had a blindfold match against uh, Drew Galloway or uh, Drew McIntyre. And not only was Santino and Drew blindfolded, but <laughs> they even put a blindfold on the Cobra, which was I thought was absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, my second pick, I'm going to go with Santino's Cobra. Very nice. Um, and as you kind of alluded to, um, I for my next pick, I, I had to put uh, Mr. Sacco on there. Yes. Uh, Mick Foley, the, you know, mankind, when he kind of went from being the evil, scary, ripping your hair out, uh, psychopath, you know, Hamble Lecter, whatever you want to call him type guy, uh, it, the mandible claw became Mr. Socko, which was this stinky ass sock he pulled from his tights. <laughs> it was <laughs> awful. Had, had, had a, you know, bad Sharpie drawing of a face on it. And, uh, yeah, that was it. Um, I mean, Miss Sacco, I think, has had T-shirts done. Uh, there's been all kinds of merch. I'm sure there's been, like, Sacco little accessories for the action figures and shit like that, too. Um, I mean, it's hard to get more iconic if we're talking about, you know, inanimate objects or characters um, than Mr. Sacco. Definitely. And from... I always kind of like remember it getting like grimier and grimier every time he's made an appearance. It starts off as like a clean white sock, and yeah. then by the, by the end, no, it's it it looked just horrific. And if you were taking that as as the part of the mandible claw, yeah, I bet you get some sort of like facial oh, herpes man. or something. Ah, right, some fungus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great third pick. Um, 
for my third pick, I am going to go with uh, another character from around uh, coming out of the Attitude Era. I'm going to go with Moppe. I don't know if oh, you remember yeah. Moppe. Uh, yeah. But basically, in 2001, Perry Saturn had joined the, the WF as part of the Radicals, but he was kind of uh, the forgotten guy. Yeah, uh, when everyone else was kind of going on winning titles, he was like the one left in left in the back. Uh, but he was actually punished for for uh, for working stiff with a, a, a an enhancement title called Mark Bell. Uh, Mark Mark did a botching a match, and and Perry basically went to town on him. Uh, and he was actually punished with giving a a gimmick where he was suffering from brain damage after taking too many shots to the head. Um, but during this time, he was actually being mar- uh, managed by his kayfabe girlfriend, uh, Terry Runnels, uh, and he was uh, kind of entrenched in that hardcore division. Um, so it comes to the, the middle of June 2001, and he was, uh, he was having a match with Test uh, for the hardcore title, um, and they started grabbing all these items from under the ring, and one of them was, uh, was a mop. Anyway, the, the finish of the match came when... Uh, Perry Saturn went to hit Tess with a mop and Tess gave it the big boot. Uh, the mop hit Perry in the face and the match was over. Uh, but Perry was devastated for this mop and actually carried the mop to the back and was ignoring uh, ignoring his manager, Terry. Uh, so over the next few weeks, uh, you see Perry and Mop is actually inseparable. They're always together. And he put a, a piece of red plastic as a face and drew on some, uh, some white eyes, nose and mouth. Uh, yeah, just just to give the character a little bit of laugh, uh, he took this on a on a double date with uh, Perry and um, Perry and Terry and Dean Malenko on this uh, this bl- uh, model blind date that Dean had, uh, who he said that, that it smelled like a Viking because you know he had brain damage allegedly. Uh, but yeah, um, he he ended up uh, being made to choose between uh, Terry and Moppe. <laughs> and he picked Moppy. He picked Moppy over Terry Runnels. Uh, inexplicable, absolutely inexplicable. Uh, so after a few weeks of uh, Moppy kind of helping uh, Perry win matches by uh, standing in the ring pause and no selling when someone headbutted him, um, Moppy went missing. And uh, Terry, uh, Perry was absolutely distraught, spent uh, weeks screaming for Moppy. And then it was revealed that, that Moppy had been mopnapped. <laughs> by, by Terry and her new uh, her new man Raven, uh, and they even had video evidence of uh, of Moppy strapped to a log. <laughs> Raven even taped up the fake mouth of Moppy because uh, he was putting on a fake voice, like as if she was like uh, giving Raven shit. Uh, so he taped up her mouth, and they fed her into a into a wood chipper. Um, so yeah. Th- it's that, minor. It, yeah, it is, it is basically. So um, Perry's able to get his revenge on Raven. I think he beat him at Unforgiving like a week later. Um, but this story actually does have a little bit of a, a a bit of a happy ending. It was on the seventh of October, two thousand and one, on Sunday Night Heat, that uh, Scotty Two Otter was actually teaming with uh, with Perry, and he wanted to like get Perry over this this kind of like hurt of losing Moppy. So he introduced. Perry to a a new mop called Moppy Too Hotty, uh, <laughs> yeah. And this Moppy Too, I mean, if you remember Scotty Too Hotty with the spiked up hair and the uh, almost kind of draw drew on beard that he had, well, 
Moppy too happy was uh, too happy was exactly the same. I'd spiked up like um, mop bristles. Uh, yeah, so Perry was absolutely ecstatic, and the uh, the, the storyline drifted away soon after that. But yeah, I think for for how short of a time we saw Moppy, she's uh, she's left a, a big mop shaped hole in everybody's heart. So I'm going to go with Moppy. <laughs> Very good choice. I was uh, I was actually kind of torn between choosing that and my last one which uh, I, I don't know if this will necessarily fit within the mold because um, this was it was kind of a hard list to think of. I mean, uh, you know, if inanimate objects, you know, okay, we're thinking actual characters that are mm-hmm. inanimate. Um, there, isn't, there isn't very many of them, no. really, you know. Um, but I was thinking of like objects and things that, you know, guys used or, or that elevated a character and, uh, kind of made them more than what they would have been without it. I have to go old school on this and, uh, Rick, the model Martell, man. Um, I loved him as a heel back in the day after his stint with us at strike force with, uh, Tito Santana. And he came back as the model. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had this, uh, what they call like an atomizer or atomizer, however the hell you say it. It's like a big, weird-looking spray can that was called Arrogance. And uh, he would use it on his opponents. It was supposed to be like his perfume or his cologne that he was coming out with. And uh, he would just spray it in everybody's face and, like, do some heel shit. And uh, I remember the time when I was a kid, man. Damn, uh, what was it? I think he sprayed in, like, Jake the Snake Roberts' eyes. Yeah, they had a, a blindfold match, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of funny as I'm, uh, you know, we're doing this, and I got AEW on the background. Jake pops up, <laughs> cutting the promo. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I remember that, and be, like it really kind of spoke to me as a kid. Like, as like, man, this is some cool shit. Like, it was just one of those. I w- I don't want to call it cheap, you know. I don't want to use that word, but it was just like those heel things, you know. I miss like the old school like heel like um, shit like that, where guys had like a weapon, and even with some of the good guys, you know it. I almost put uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan's two by four on here. You know, I mean, it's it's something simple, iconic with that character, and that's kind of what I was going with with this last pick. Um, for me, I want to take it back a little old school, you know, and a guy who I think really doesn't get a lot of credit um, as far as being like good, doing good character work and uh, solid in ring work. Uh, I thought Rick Martel was awesome, and um, like I said you guys go back on the network or whatever and watch that uh, blindfold match. I thought it was pretty cool i thought that feud was cool and uh i always loved the arrogance i always wanted one of those guns as a kid go around spraying people i didn't like with some <laughs> fucking perfume you know yeah absolutely standard pick and the good thing about about uh mount rush was is there's no real rule so anything would have would have really counted uh yeah i i, I think that rick martel is one of the most underrated uh wrestlers Going, you don't really hear him a lot when you when you talk about the greatest wrestlers of all time. But yeah, the guy was an absolute stud. Uh, I'm doing uh, some research for a, a recording about Royal Rumble 1992, and in that, uh, apart from like Ric Flair obviously being being like the the goat of that, uh, Rick Martel puts on a, a stellar performance in that in that Royal Rumble, and he did that quite a lot over his career. It was just yeah, like I said, he was a, a solid. Uh, wrestler, and this was this kind of made him stand out from the crowd. So yeah, great pick. Thank you. 
Um, so for mine, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna bring it straight back to uh to the now. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Bray Wyatt and his puppets in the Firefly Funhouse. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, after kind of that, the Eater of Worlds and cult leader gimmick of Bray had, had run its course, and now we know kind of why with uh with the 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 end of the match at uh, WrestleMania 36 and in blaming Cena, uh, he took that time off to to kind of heal up and then. Um, in the middle of last year, came back with uh, these sinister-looking puppets and dolls um, that that kind of were hinting that something creepy was coming. Uh, we got the first actual episode of Firefly Funhouse, I think it was on the 22nd of April, um, where we met Mercy the Buzzard, which was a... Uh, which was like a, a play on the name of the person who Bray Wyatt's original character was, was based off, Waylon Mercy. Yeah. Um, and then we got Abby the Witch, who was was supposedly the embodiment of the Sister Abigail uh, character, which is another kind of like persona in that whole white family world. And these kind of puppets are kind uh, are meant to like embody um, parts of Bray's kind of mindset. And I think Abby was was meant to embody back his conscience and his regret. Uh, then we got, I think, the week later we got Rambling Rabbit, which is a which is meant to represent the like the confusing kind of like rambly style promos of of the of the the cult leader Bray Wyatt, uh, and poor Rambling Rabbit, he gets bullied a lot by the rest of uh by the rest <laughs> of the group. He's, I think he's been eaten a couple of times. He's been uh, squashed with a mallet, uh, turned into breakfast spread, uh, and there was even a time where he was literally scared to death uh, when they yeah. were, when they were running up to the I think it was the Hell in Cell match against Seth Rollins. Uh, and then on the June the third, we got the last couple of uh, puppets so far. We got Huskus the pig boy, uh, which <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I just I, I love that <laughs> you said. Well, your accent, man. I mean, no disrespect, but it's, <laughs> no, it's fine. That's why he said the pig boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Huskus the pig boy, just for you there again. Uh, that's that represents uh, Husky Harrison, kind of brave struggle with his weight and his health. Um, and then we got probably the best character, the devil Vince McMahon, which is oh, yeah, just yeah. absolutely That's brilliant. Some, some good, good shit. shit, pal. Yeah, I, I don't know how it gets away with that with Vince, especially knowing like the the kind of rumors uh, about how controlling Vince can be. But I think this kind of plays into that with the way that he's he's always kind of doing anything for money. He's always firing people, and like you said, the good shit, pal. Uh, and then obviously we've got the other. I wouldn't say inanimate object, but it's definitely an, uh, a character with the fiend, um, who they're all absolutely terrified of. But he, they also look at him for protection. Uh, yeah, this was. I, ha- I think I had to put these on basically because they added such a depth of character to to Bray Wyatt, and it shows just how amazing a wrestling a wrestling mindset that this guy's got. If you give him a light, little bit of a, a freedom. It can come up with some absolutely amazing characters. Kind of reminds me of Matt Hardy in, in that way, where uh, yeah. he's got such a, a clever man for the business. So yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Bray Wyatt's puppets. That's a that's a really good pick. You know, I don't know how that didn't fucking cross my mind um, when thinking about this. Uh, solid pick, man. I think Bray's a guy who's you know they've they've given him you know he's had the championships, he's had the uh, the spots, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I, here's the thing, like the whole Goldberg deal, everybody was pissed about that. 
you know, Bray, and for what I'm hearing now, like Goldberg kind of lobbied to win because, <laughs> like, oh, you know, my superhero character, a little kid, would be upset. <laughs> like, man, come on, Goldberg, you're not. I don't think the little kids really see it like they did, like we used to when you know he was fucking dominating WCW. But uh, it, you know, I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing because, like, to me, Bray having the title was kind of like. Man, it, he's a guy who doesn't really need it, especially with that character. And he's so creative. And all those puppets and everything you just mentioned add so much depth to that character um, and that the possibilities are endless, you know. And I, it sucks that he got the raw deal kind of with that. Uh, I really loved his, his cult leader, you know, like you said, alluded to the Waylon Mercy. Um, I really, really dug that character. And it was a shame that it kind of ended the way it did. But it's awesome that they kind of acknowledge that. Yeah. And uh, every, everything, man, he's just, he's kudos to him. He is super, super creative. And you, we need more people like that in wrestling. Yeah, definitely. And when I was uh, uh, doing the research, for this, I, I went through like a playlist of all the uh, the Firefly Funhouse episodes. And going back and watching them after that John Cena match at WrestleMania, you could you could see the, like, the hints in, that, in those uh, little like, three-minute videos of of that that feud coming, you could see how it was hinted towards like John Cena being the person who who kind of helped made made the fiend. It was it's such a clever guy. Uh, and great storytelling, man. Yeah, great storytelling. Ab- yeah, absolutely brilliant storytelling. So I think we've come with two quality uh, Mount Rushmores. There we've got uh, we've got uh, the Juicers, Head Vanguard One, Mister Socko, and the Atomizer from Rick the Modern Martel. And then I've gone with Head. Uh, the Cobra, Moppe, and Bray Wyatt's puppets. Uh... Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. What I need from you now, uh, Juice, is um, I need you to pick a topic for a future guest. Uh, What kind of uh, Mount Rushmore would you be interested in in hearing someone debate? Um. You know what? I, I have a good one here. I don't know if you've done this or not, um, but I, the Mount Rushmore of wrestlers with uh, painted faces. Mm, face paint. Uh, I think we've done masked wrestlers. Uh, right. Yeah, that's a that's a, a cool topic. I'd be interested to to look at that. I think people coming up straight away for me are like, are like the Great Muta. Yeah. Um, yep. Maybe someone like the original Hurricane. Um, so yeah, uh, very, very, very cool topic. I can't wait to debate that with someone. Um, Juice, let everyone know where they can find you, where they can find uh, uh, all the content that you put out, uh, where they can find you on social media, all that stuff. Uh, well, social media, we're on everything uh, at Juice Pro Wrestling on Facebook um, and Instagram. On Twitter, we're at JPW Podcast. Uh, you can catch new episodes drop weekly every wednesday um on every podcasting platform and youtube a direct link to our youtube is jpdub.com and 
not only do we have weekly episodes dropping, we also, if you visit our YouTube and our Facebook page, um, you know, there's highlight videos from all the events that we go to and, you know, little comedy bits that we do and just some fun shit for, you know, wrestling fans and metal fans and fans of horror and all that good stuff, video games. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it where you can find us. We're also uh, in syndication via Jayzo Modcast in California. So everybody out there that's checking us out, uh, thank you. And worldwide, man, we got, uh, you know, we got quite an audience building. And um, it's part of the reason is because of doing shit like this, you know, networking <laughs> with fucking awesome people. So I, I thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, everybody, please feel free to check us out, like, subscribe, and Wherever you do listen, please leave us a rating and review. If you like it, that's awesome. If you don't like it, that's great too. Yeah, absolutely. Go and uh, go and check out all the all the the content that they do over at, at Juice Pro Wrestling. These guys are absolute professionals at it. Uh, yeah, just really, really entertaining content and so diverse as well. There's uh, they cover so many different topics. So yeah, go and give uh, go and give these guys a follow. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DJ Kirby. Follow this show at uh, Badlands Pod. Uh, who had the best Mount Rushmore of inanimate objects? Was it uh, was it Juice with Head Vanguard One, Mister Socko, and the Rick, Rick the Model Martel's Atomizer, or was it me with a head? Uh, Santino Morello's Cobra, Moppet, or Bray Wyatt's Puppets. Uh, and whilst you're there, tell us your Mount Rushmore of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Um, but remember, round here at Badlands, we only have one rule when it comes to making Mount Rushmores, and that is you must always use your head. ShareShot.com. Always use your head.